This podcast has bad words in it. You have been warned. I'm Zach Bohannon. I make my living telling stories, but I'm also a metalhead, retired drummer, avid gamer, and most importantly, a loving husband and father. Join me each week as I sit down with a fellow dad and discuss balancing a creative life with family, careers, hobbies, and all the other things guys love. This is the Creator Dad Podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you, dude, uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, I'm, I'm recording a lot of these in advance. And I've already, me and Thorne have already recorded and we shit on you a lot, but, but here's the thing, (laughs) here's the thing. His episode is two weeks after yours. So you're technically, you're going to get the first word if you want to say anything bad. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to say never trust Jay Thorne. (laughs) (laughs) How'd you, how'd you, so like last week when we were in new Orleans, uh, did you get tired of us sending you pictures of empty chairs every like four times a day? (laughs) No, it was funny. Yeah. I told my brother about that. He's like, that's hilarious. I sent him one or two of them. But uh, yeah, no, I fe- honestly, I felt like I was there in spirit, at least, you know. Well, so. we, yeah, I mean, obviously, we were thinking about you the whole time, and yeah, we, uh, cool. we, we, we talked a lot about you. Not anything bad, don't worry. But uh, we were, we were like every every time we were at a restaurant or anywhere, we were just like one of us was like, oh man, we gotta take a picture of Piper Brook or, <laughs> or of a chair, like up. Yeah, it be, it sucks you're not here. So everyone was making fun of me, Chris Kane, and everything. <laughs> <laughs> you came up a couple of times, but it was yeah. but it was okay. And then I we of course I sent you the video of the bird. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's doing my rocking motions, my motion sickness. Oh man, my kid does that too. So it was. Does he really? Yeah, I think. Well, that's the problem. Is it kind of because my brother? I would do it as a kid, but I had a reason. And then I would look next to me in the back seat, and my brother be doing it. So we'd be going, and then it's almost like you have to get in sync with each other sometimes. (laughs) It's embarrassing, but. And I, I've told you the stories too, like when I've been on tour and then I'll be doing that. Right. And then I look yeah. over next to me and someone's like in the car next to me, like going even with me, like staring at me. And I'm like, fuck you, man. What are you looking at? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm the weirdo. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now you got to let me tell this story of what the hell we're talking about. So when we were in Salem in July in Boston, you, uh, you picked me and cat up from the airport and took us to our hotel in Boston. And that's where I think it happened. But like, you were just jamming some hair metal and I look over and you're just kind of rocking back and forth to the beat. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, but then the music just stopped and you kept going. <laughs> I was like, what the See, fuck? That's what gives doing? me away. Yeah, I was like, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? You go. And you were like, ah, yeah, I, I, uh, I get motion sickness. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> which you're like who, is, the, who the hell is chauffeuring me from here to there <laughs> which is totally valid but it's like oh now i have something else to shit on you about oh i know <laughs> yeah it's just i don't know like some people take uh pills or whatever i guess you can get a cvs or you know like anti-motion sickness yeah. pills and i just never had to bother because i just kind of figured out like i don't know why for some reason moving a little more kind of like offsets the sickness so if i just kind of rock and then i just I've learned over time that I look pretty weird if I do that. So I just kind of go with the beat a little bit of whatever I'm listening to. <laughs> did you, so, how did you get by in the train? Did the train bother you? No, that didn't really No, And I, and on, on like ships and stuff, you know, not that I've taken a bunch of, you know, whatever, you know, the couple like little cruises or whatever, like you'll do a little cruise on the Connecticut river or something that didn't really bother me either. 
That's so, so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think and, it's because like, well, no, because on the train, you can still like look out the window and see, because I was going to say, do you think it's because maybe you're looking out the windshield and stuff is moving, but I guess that wouldn't, that's so funny. That's yeah. So and weird. it gets, it's worse in the back seat. Um, so if I'm driving, Kat it's the, the cat has that that happens. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So I guess the worst conditions for me are back seat and a brand new car. Because like some the the smell of like a brand new car oh, can be okay. like too saying, much. What the hell does that happen? So like, like you feel all cooped up and you got this stuff in your nose and then it's all like you're, ah, you're all dizzy and I'm just like get me out of here. <laughs> Dude, that's that's yeah. Cat gets that stuff too, but for her it's like there's I don't know she she will get it, but she can't sit in the back seat like for a prolonged period of time, and then um she can't. Like she's tried playing video games in the car, like that will do it, stuff like that. If she does that too long, but uh, yeah, but yeah, not, but she definitely doesn't do the rocking back and forth. Thing. Yeah, oh, screens are off limits too. If I if I try to read anything or look at a screen in the yeah. car, forget about it. Like now, I'll I start got... to get dizzy and nauseous like immediately. So I just I've never I've never hurled, so I, I've I've always avoided that at least. Now I have that in the train. If I'm on the train, I can't play video games or read. Gotcha. Um, okay. I can sit there and work on my computer but I can't like continuously read something on my Kindle or something. And I def I tried playing video games on like playing switch on there. And I was like, Oh, Nope, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I think I just have like, I don't know. I've got weird dizziness issues that probably, you know, some people might like go deeper into and try to figure out. And it's like, eh, rock back and forth is fine. Or, or like, I can't lie flat on the ground either. Interesting. Um, like just on the ground <laughs> yeah no i can't like lay down like uh my kid will be like oh you know lay down and you know hold me up or whatever and yeah like, the, everything starts spinning but if i have like a pillow underneath me then i'm okay so if oh, my head is so all the way back, i don't know yeah and i've gotten it on like um roller coaster rides and stuff like that now i used to be able to go on all of them and now it's to the point where i can't do any of that stuff without just yeah it'll it'll wreck me so that's it's like so, a vertigo thing. Yeah. That's so, so interesting. <laughs> again, nothing, nothing too crazy to work around. It's like when I sleep, I just have a, a pillow or two under my head. And I'm good. So speaking of speaking of video games, I, I was going to tell you too. Um, I was going to tell you before we aired, but I'll just tell you on here. Why not? I read earlier they're doing a, uh, there's a video, a, a video game of a quiet place coming out like next year. Oh, the year nice. after. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I thought I was like, man, that's a cool premise for a game yeah oh that's great oh man yeah what was that gonna be for i assume like ps5 or... I th they haven't announced consoles like but i'm sure yeah. it's gonna be on like the playstation xbox and pc and maybe switch but probably not yeah um, okay depending on how how graphic intensive it is but i just thought that was cool i was like man yeah, that that's is amazing that's a really, See, I really with video games too now like like i can't play a lot of the 3d whatever i don't know uh... sometimes i can but like i was watching my kid play gta yesterday and that worked like i could watch it i was fine yeah but uh yeah i don't know that's one deterrent for me getting into all these amazing games you're always telling me about oh yeah because it's just hard for you <laughs> yeah yeah and it's and like they're you know some of the they're doing interesting like i think this is gonna be an original story too and that's uh, always kind of risky but i mean there have been some really good instances of work like they did a um there was an alien game that came out a few years ago okay and it was uh it was a, an original story but it was canon and it involved uh, Ripley's daughter was the main uh, character cool. on a ship. And it's freaking amazing. And the story is like really, really good too. So nice. it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do at a quiet place, but I just, I don't know. I just random. I, I know uh, we've talked about that movie before. And Oh yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. The second one, it was like, you know, it was definitely good, but it wasn't that first one was lightning in a bottle. I think, you know? Yeah. Which oh, is no, perfect. It's, it's like the deeper you got into the explanation of the creatures, the more holes you could poke in it. 
you know? Yeah. I don't know. At least that's how I felt like, so it was really good, but I felt like a, a little bit of it was a rehash. And then, like I said, you could start to see the holes and what was kind of a perfect movie of the first one, you know? Yeah. I hadn't seen the second one yet. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then yeah. Did you see it. Halloween kills yet? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I haven't. I, well, I've been traveling, so I haven't. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you guys watched it on Peacock. Yeah. That's another quick story. You said we're not on the air now, right? No, we totally are. That's oh, we are. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Oh, hell. I had no idea. I thought we were just shooting the breeze. <laughs> no, you guess you can keep show. that in too. We're just no, going. All the, right. Yeah. That's what the yeah, podcast cool. is all, all about. Right. So. Um, yeah. So that was a funny story with that one. Um, so, yeah. So Halloween Kills, we were waiting for that. It came out on, what was it, Friday the 16th or whatever it was? Yeah. I was October. on my way to Cleveland that night. So that's that's why I haven't seen it yet because I've been traveling since. Yeah. So we wanted to preview it or see it or we were going to see it with my son um because we love all that stuff obviously um so he says yeah you know i don't know that i want to see it with you guys he's starting to get in that age where it's like i'm, I'm too cool to see it with my parents like i want to see things alone which is kind of a bummer for us and then obviously there's some things he's not allowed to see alone so we need to preview him so long story short um yeah he's all happy he was very well behaved that night and we're like yeah we're gonna watch it tomorrow when it comes out and he was talking to a buddy from canada um on facetime or whatever and i guess this this kid was gonna he lives in vancouver uh, he was going to go see it in the theater with his uncle that night. Um, so my kid was like, oh, you know, this, this guy is going to, Carter is going to go see it with his uncle and I, I'm jealous. I'm like, well, we'll see it tomorrow. You know, so you got to go to bed soon. Okay, whatever. So we go to bed and then uh, I wake up the next morning and uh, I see all these charges on my, uh, on my PayPal account. So I'm like, what is this stuff? I was like, why is there a $5 and 31 charge and then a cancellation and then a $10 and 62 charge? Like, you know, what, what's he going bought on? So, oh, you got it. So <laughs> apparently he's so happy. He got up and he says, uh, oh, you might see some charges on there. Uh, I tried by accident. I hit something on and I looked into it. First one was Peacock. And he goes, I thought I might. I tried to get Peacock to watch Halloween Kills. And then I realized. I <laughs> And then you know what it was? We found we found no, out. No, you, so he bought the five dollar one, but you have yep. to have the premium one that's like ten bucks to get because it. you get no ads. Because there's no ads, so and that's sneaky the one little that... guy says I I ordered the wrong one, so let me return it on Dad's PayPal and get the premium, so I get no ads to, to interrupt my movie watching experience. So yeah, so then <laughs> and then he tells us that oh I uh, I, I well, when did you see this? You know we, you know you knew we we're supposed to like kind of preview or see it with you whatever. Then he, oh, I saw it in the morning. I said, well, it's 6.30. What did you get up at 4 a.m.? It was like a school day, you know? And he goes, yeah, I saw it in the morning. So then it was just like a barrel full of lies. And we're like, okay, what's going on here? So he went to school and we went on his iPad, which we don't normally don't like. We try not to break trust with certain things, but we yeah, went on yeah. the messages with that other kid. And sure enough, he's like, yo, dude, it's 1.53 a.m. I haven't slept yet at all. I got to get to bed. I just watched Halloween Kills. And I got a peacock premium. I'm like, oh no, here we go. <laughs> so yeah, we, he was busted. So let's just say he had no iPad for the whole weekend. I spent the morning before work on um, the phone because my PayPal was hooked up to his iPad because at some point he had bought an app that we allowed. And for some reason, my wife's wasn't, whatever it was, I hooked up my PayPal and kind of forgot about it. So he used that. So I had to go call up Apple, you know, whatever iTunes say, you got to cancel the PayPal. You know, I canceled the PayPal, canceled the charges, canceled Peacock. So, yeah, but he was just like, basically, hey, I got to see it before you guys. And then we watched it the next night as a family anyway. So he got to see it twice. Dude, that is so, so funny. <laughs> yeah, he got caught out in all sorts of ways. But yeah, I, I guess that's what happens when you start to get, um, we've got a sixth grader, so. Uh, you start to get into that type of stuff, but yeah, I mean, it, dude, that's so funny. Like I, what's funny is that he, 
what like peak what he ended up spending like fifteen dollars when he probably he probably could have just upgraded from the ad plan instead of canceling it and then paying yeah. another ten. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, but he you just know, yeah, he, but he just and I love how he got up. That's so funny he did it before school. <laughs> Watched oh, yeah. kills well, you know, he didn't actually what he did, though, is he said he watched it before school. Oh, so he actually. He no, remember, up, I said his his I am with his buddy was, hey, so man, he was it's up like two in the morning. So he it. bought. And here's the thing. So we drilled down on the charges 1130 p.m. the night before. So he was all ready to go. He got Peacock pre- premium at 1130 at night. And at midnight, as soon as it dropped, he watched it. So he watched it from midnight and thus, hey, man, it's 153 in the morning and I got to get to bed. I have school tomorrow and I haven't slept. So that was another little twist of the story. There was that, yeah. He he waited. He wanted to see that thing the second it dropped at midnight. Dude, that is so, so fun. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I wouldn't do some of that stuff when I was a kid. So it's like, you know, but we had to give him a consequence. So it was the no iPad for the weekend, you know. So, but no, I was yeah, telling. I don't know. I was telling Thorne on our episode. Like I remember, I uh, I skipped school the day that Slipknot's Iowa album came out. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> which I hate to admit now, which is super lame now. But hey, it was like the early two thousands. I was into new metal. I'm not gonna ear pretend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I remember when, when Rob Zombie's Halloween came out. Or no, I think it was. It wasn't that. I think it was when Hall the, what, Halloween Resurrection was that the terrible one where they had all the webcams and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that was the I, one with uh, was it Buster Rhymes or um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that came out when I was in high school oh, and okay. uh, or maybe like when I was in like I went to college for like a semester before I did the band thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I know I skipped something to go see that, which ended up being a regrettable. Yeah, um, it was yeah. not a good decision. That, that, isn't that the one with uh, you're looking a little crispy there, Michael? That one. Yeah. He's like, looking a little crispy, Mikey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think what he says. <laughs> and then yeah. he, he does the he does the fucking roundhouse kick. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I do. Yeah, it's, it's so it's so fucking terrible. Yeah, that one was bad. And then uh, the Curse of Michael Myers with Paul Rudd. I think it was number six or whatever. See, I have a soft spot for that movie. Yeah, I don't because know because yeah. it's well, no. In hindsight, it's terrible. But that was the first Halloween movie I saw. Oh, okay. so it's a gotcha. nostalgic thing. Like I yeah. remember going. Me and some friends of mine used to always. Uh, we used to hang out at this video store when and uh, we'd like how 90s does this sound already i'm talking about a video store but we used to rollerblade over there oh that's awesome and how 90s is that (laughs) we would rollerblade to this video store and hang out and i remember that movie just came out on vhs and and i and they let me rent it because they didn't care like i was i think i was 13 or something no i was 12 when that movie came out um and uh, I, or I think something like that. And they were like, whatever, dude, you can rent it. We don't. And, and I think they knew my parents didn't care anyway. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it's so like, that was my first real Halloween experience was that movie, which does suck in hindsight, but it's, it's, made, it's still got like that nostalgic thing for me. Yeah. That'll do a lot for it. Yeah. I, I wish my uh, video store was as liberal because I don't think I could rent anything without a parent. It was like, you know, it was, it was a smaller, it wasn't like, it was a chain, maybe age of video was called, but okay. Yeah. I mean, I would just see the wall of horror movies and look at the covers and be like, man, I want to watch all that stuff so bad. And, and then I wasn't allowed to. So then I was basically, um, I was allowed to read whatever I wanted though, randomly. Oh, so, I remember you telling me that before. Yeah. So yeah. I would read Steve, I'm, I'm, I'm over there reading Stephen King's misery, but I couldn't see evil dead too. You know <laughs> you know what I mean? It's weird stuff like that. But, yeah. That's so funny. Like, yeah. But but I I could see the difference between I mean, reading it is obviously 
I mean, obviously your imagination can go different places, but at least you're reading. I could see like your parents just not wanting to put like those images in your head yeah, that the movie yeah. has. Yeah, that's kind of a different but, thing than a book. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Thorne and I were having a similar conversation on his episode about like, um, you know, he was kind of raised very strict and not able to, and, and he re, he rebelled against that. And that's when he got into like ACDC and metal and stuff. But like mm. my parents were always cool and they always kind of let me do whatever I wanted. <laughs> so it was, they let me listen to music I wanted, dress how I wanted. I mean, they were, they were always pretty cool. So I've watched whatever yeah. movies, you know? Yeah, no, that's cool. And I guess you both ended up in the same spot, right? <clears throat> in the well, same that's what's stuff, funny. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. If you look yeah. at it that way. And, and that was kind of the, I mean, I don't want to spoil that conversation, but that's kind of like where we, what we were talking about, like how do we both end up into a lot of the same stuff? If so, I don't know. It was, it, it was, it was interesting, but like, but one thing I know about you that I think is really cool is, um, I mean, you, and you kind of talked about it, like, you know, you're not, uh, you know, I mean, you guys are obviously, um, you guys are not super restrictive on your son and mm. like, I, and obviously, like you said, you guys are still vetting stuff and you, you guys are monitoring, you're being good parents, but you're also not being like total helicopter parents. Like so many people are these days, you know? And, and so like, cause I mean, he's been, he's been really been watching horror movies for a little while. Hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, it was one of those things where we started out with, a, I think the first thing he saw was the it miniseries from 1990 or whatever. Yeah. So he saw that and he was fine with it. And he's never had nightmares. I think when I was a kid, I used to have, well, this is shameful to admit maybe, but yeah, I used to, I remember having, I mean, I was really young, but I think Jaws really killed me when I was like a kid. Oh um, yeah. And I remember having nightmares with that. And I think I peeped in on um, my cousin that maybe was babysitting for me. And I peeked through, you know, into the other room and saw on MTV, uh, Michael Jackson's thriller. And that messed me up for a while seeing that video. Um, so I couldn't really handle stuff. And, you know, he's a little older than I was then, but yeah, we just noticed he seemed to be fine with it. So, you know, we kind of started allowing a little more, a little more. And, you know, he's been really cool about it. He's never had a nightmare. Um, he's really kind of found like a passion in it. Like he's very yeah. passionate about like, you know, he's he wants to be a director uh, and an actor. Um, so he's making a lot of his own movies and we're kind of, I don't know, sometimes we kind of star in them. <laughs> too, me and my wife. Oh, I know. <laughs> so, oh, I know, you know, I sent you a clip yeah. the other day. Yeah. It was awesome. That's <laughs> like, that's so yeah. bad. And so it's, it's, it's such a, like a circle of life thing because I used to do a lot of that movie making when I was a kid with my brother, you know, back then we got like a big Panasonic VHS, uh, camcorder, um, you know, when I was like 12, 13, whatever around there. So yeah, we, we had one of those. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we were making movies all the time. So now we're kind of doing the same thing with him, but we, with all the technology now, like he knows more than I do about technology. Yeah, it's which, crazy. Isn't that's it? what you got to watch for. Cause he knows how to turn off the parental controls if he wants. <laughs> so, yeah. So he, oh, yeah. Haley's getting to that point where she's figuring some of that stuff out. Yeah. So he'll know, or he knows how to race his screen time if he has to. Luckily, I mean, almost because we haven't been as restrictive, we kind of have an honest thing going where like he'll tell on himself or he'll ask permission. There's a very free, like open dialogue in the household where if something happens, we're going to know about it. Either he's going to tell us and admit it and whatever. Um, and maybe it leads to less sneaky behavior in one sense, although that peacock story would, would maybe say differently, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, there's um, going to be stuff every now. So like uh, I see, see, I, I, I brought up kind of how I was raised and how my parents were kind of let me do whatever I want. And it was the same thing like mm -hmm. that you just talked about. I, 
it, it create it cultivated a much more honest and open relationship with my parents and and I, I feel like because I didn't have all those restrictions, I actually was a much better kid. I mean, and, and also my sister did a lot of dumb stuff. Like she, you know, would throw parties when my parents were out of town and stuff like that. And she's five years older than me. So like I would, I would watch what she did and be like, oh, I'm not going to do that. And, but more than that, I, I think, I mean, you almost nailed it to a T. Like I never really had to lie to my parents because it was like, I don't, I don't know. I felt like it just made it, it because they were, you know, letting me watch rated R movies when I was like, I mean, my dad took me to see, I remember him taking me to see Da Hard 2 in the theater when I was like six. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we went one time we went and saw, um, they took me, we went to the drive-in to see either Gremlins or Gremlins 2. I, it must've been Gremlins 2. We went to the drive-in, but like, I turned the other way and watched Total Recall instead on another screen. <laughs> nice. Like, and, and they were just always cool about that. But I felt like because of that, I never really had a reason to rebel. And it just, it created a much better, more open relationship with my parents. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I remember most of my friends, you know, in those younger years were allowed to see most of that stuff. So I remember one, I went to a birthday party once and I had to be like maybe seven or eight. And we saw RoboCop when it was rated X. And if you remember that, it was, it was like the X-ray version. And it was a kid's birthday party. And, um, you know, and his parents just put it on. So we're all glued to the screen watching this. And I think uh, my parents caught wind of it. And they're like, whoa, what's going on? You can't see that, you know? So it's like, you'll either see it over somebody else's house. Or if you're restricted access, like you said, then it's almost like, oh, well, I, I want that. The more you tell me no, the more I'm curious. And I want to exactly. see what this is. So at least this way we get the chance to like, you know, vet it or explain things or set up context or, you know, kind of put some guardrails on it, you know? So I don't know. That's, that's what we're doing anyway. So the jury's out on whether that's, I mean, who knows what the right way is. Right. But um, that's what we're well, doing. Yeah. There is no, it's like, we don't have a handbook for this. Yeah. Right? You yeah. know, all you can do is go off your own experiences and, and kind of just what you, how you're raised and, and just your experience that life to, you know, cause at the hospital, they just hand you the kid and they're just like, go, you know, I mean, yeah. and, uh, but yeah, I, again, I think the differentiator is the fact like, cause I'm sure there's people out there. I don't think it'll be anyone listening to this podcast because people understand, but I could see people being like, oh my God, you guys are so irresponsible parents laying your kids watch that stuff. But dude, I, we, we did that when we were kids and we're fine, you yeah, know? Yeah, and, and, yeah. and it comes back to it comes back to the fact that you guys are involved and you are parenting and you're watching these movies with them and stuff. So like you can explain what's real, what's not, you know, as yeah. opposed to there's so many parents out there now who just like throw their kid in front of an iPad or in front of video games and just don't even pay like they, you know, they're off doing their own thing, playing on TikTok or, or, or whatever, you know, and you guys aren't doing that. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to limit stuff and yeah, just kind of watch over it. But, you know, and like I said, every, I think every kid is different too. It's probably like a kid by kid basis. Like, you know, your child and what they, you know, you can kind of see what they can handle, test things out. And um, he's, he's just found such a passion for it. And especially in like the making of things Yeah, that like, he's almost become an encyclopedia for a lot of facts. Like he can name. Oh, off, I know. Oh, <laughs> oh you know, yeah. He'll, oh. he'll name off facts or literally I'll ask him if I'm talking to my buddies about a movie, I'll say, Oh yeah. What was the name of the actor or what year did that come out? 87 dad. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. It's he, crazy. Yeah, he has a it's, little it's encyclopedia insane. because kids are sponges. So they soak things up. So like, I don't know. I mean, I could see him doing great things in life. 
you know, I could see him really, really becoming this director or something that really just, I don't know, does awesome things. That, that's the hope. And, and he's the same way with hair metal too, as you know, um, all the eighties. Uh, yeah. So he shares the love of that. So he loves all that stuff. So he knows all the years, uh, he'll go on Spotify. Oh, this came out. This is a remaster from 2016 or like, you know, he knows like all the, the versions and everything is crazy. Well, it's funny, man. My first, my first uh, memory of actually attempting to write something like for real would have been in night, either 1998 or 1999. I sat down and started to write my own script for a new Halloween movie. Oh, that's and awesome. Ironically, here's what's funny going back to what we were talking about earlier. I called it Halloween Resurrection. Oh, no kidding. And then and then later <laughs> the actual the the next movie that came, I think H2O might have been out by the time I was doing this. So then the next one would have been Halloween. And I was like, damn it. Like <laughs> but it was I was it was so funny. I felt like I'd almost guessed it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you should pull that out and say the OG script for Halloween Resurrection and put it like a oh, dude. <laughs> I, I wish I still maybe you got a lawsuit it. on your hands there right now. <laughs> I wish I still had it. Like yeah, I have no idea. Like, it would be on a if I it would be on a floppy disk. Yeah, but yeah. I have no idea if I have that. You talking like a three and a half or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See that that's that was my first memories of writing was um a Smith Corona word processor. Oh, uh, my so, dad had one of those. I used yeah. to do some stuff. So my on, my household know. we never had a computer. So we were kind yeah. of like my mom was was mostly stay at home although she worked full-time later on and my dad was a worker and i'm one of uh, three kids three boys so you know we had like you know very middle class whatever kind of life but we didn't we never wanted for anything but we like we never had cable we didn't have a com yeah. uh, computer ever in the house just my whole childhood um so that was kind of a big you know i was really into writing so kind of seeing that uh, i think it was my dad who took me out to like Walmart or wherever and got me that Smith Corona word processor. So that was where I was really writing my first stories um, was not well, actually that and a typewriter before that was a typewriter. I had like an Underwood. That's awesome. So I was, I was typing stuff up and you know, I was like whatever, like eight or 10 years old. And I was sending manuscripts off to publishers back then on like typewritten <laughs> manuscripts. I'm talking like whiteout, like That's awesome. photocopies at the, uh, like walk into the center of town and making photocopies of like my manuscripts sending the self-addressed stamped envelope. Yeah. So, and then I, it was onto the Smith Corona with the three and a half discs and I can't find any of them, unfortunately. Cause I, cause you can get them digitized now too. You can like resurrect. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I, I just, I wish I had them cause I'd love to see some of that stuff, you know? Yeah. Same here. I would love to find that Halloween thing somewhere. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Know? That was on. So I did the word processing thing earlier too, but I, that was by the time that came around, like we had laptops Gotcha. And, uh, and, but they were like, I mean, huge, like the laptops were, yeah. and I think my dad had gotten a new one for work and gave me his old one or something. And, uh, but, but it was, the thing was probably like this thick or something like closed up. It's crazy. It's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I think I, I am lying in one sense. Cause we had, a, at one point we had a computer, but it was like so old. Like we got it say in like 1990 and it was like a 1980 radio shack. Like it was like one unit with like the yeah. monitor. And the, so I'm talking like at that point, it was like, there was no software for it. It was, I couldn't even use it for writing because there was no word processing software. So I would just like try to program little like crummy, like choose your own adventure games, maybe <laughs> using like the, whatever the language was of that was it DOS or I forgot what it was. Probably but, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, that wasn't really um, a writing tool. <laughs> but, 
That's yeah. so funny, man. So when did you uh when did you really start getting into music? Um, I mean, I was always into it. Like back in the eighties, I was into the hair metal and Motley Crue and Rad and all that stuff. And so I was always into the music and the reading and writing simultaneously. Um, but I think as far as playing music, um, I got into it sort of around the grunge era is like when we got our first electric guitar, me and my brother, like around Nirvana time, all that, whatever. And we didn't have an amp. So we got an electric guitar and it was some no name model. It was like a cruise or something. I I don't know. Um, some, some obscure, like, like someone had, we got at this uh, place called daddy's junkie music, which is a couple towns over from where I I know that store. Do you? My, oh, yeah, so you, the, yeah. comp- the company I used to work for, because uh, it's, it's an East Coast chain. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. the company I used to work for uh, dealt with them all the time. Like, no kidding. We, uh, yeah, that's so funny. They're gone yeah, now. They went out of business a while ago. Yeah. I they, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so. They, uh, that's just, I haven't heard that name in like 10 years. Yeah. Probably. That was the, that was the Not place that long, to go. Yeah. That's yeah, so and funny. We, we got this guitar and it was like someone had glued um, a pick of, and like, it was, an, it was a pick with an alien head on it, like an alien's face. And they had glued it onto like um, the bridge of the guitar. So it was just stuck there. That was just part of it. Like it was just, oh yeah, that's the, <laughs> it's like, there's a pick glued here and this thing like, you know, barely plays and we didn't have an amp. So we used to plug it into like this eighties um, dual cassette player turntable stereo, like one of those big giant ones. Oh yeah. And I, yeah. And I would, it was my parents old one that they didn't want, they didn't care about anymore. And I mean, it had to be like from 83 or whatever. And I would put a tape on pause and record. And then I would use the input jack to plug the guitar in. And as long as you had a tape on pause and record and blasted the gain, it would sound like distortion. (laughs) So I'd be be playing Nirvana like. (laughs) It's like this horrible (laughs) distortion that was like barely passable. But that's how me and my brother started playing music was on this guitar through like this old 80s, uh, big old giant stereo. That's awesome. So that's how we got into it. And then I was playing acoustic guitar. Uh, maybe I was like 15 or something like that. My aunt signed me up for classical guitar lessons. Um, so I actually learned finger picking like through the classical guitar. Yeah. And so, you know, you'd have to sit properly with the guitar on your knees and you'd have to file your nails down on your right hand, like to the right, you know, just that hand, oh, not yeah. the left hand. And you you do all the finger picking. So I actually learned that and then more so taught myself how to use a pick for electric later on. So at one point I could read sheet music and all that. And I was playing some stuff. And then I think the the teacher kind of realized after a while, yeah, this guy doesn't really care about doing as much of the classical and and music reading. So I'd like start to bring stuff in that I just want him to like transcribe for me. And I was just, I would just use tablature. He'd like tab it out for me. Um, So I remember doing like uh, stone temple pilots um, uh, on their first album there. They had an acoustic song. I forgot what it was called now. Um, but I remember it was on, it was on core. Yeah, it was on core, but I ended up learning that in acoustic, um, you know, based on this guy transcribing it, whatever, in tablature. So, yeah, so that's kind of how I got into playing it. And then, you know, I was into grunge, um, I was in hair metal, then grunge, you know, Guns N' Roses, all that kind of stuff. And then I kind of got into new metal a little bit and like pop punk type of stuff. Um, and then my brother was kind of started hanging out with some kids that were into hardcore. Um, so they kind of got into that and then, you know, I kind of picked up on that. So at one point kind of had a transitional phase where I had like, you know, mixtapes with like corn on them and like earth crisis and like some of the more hardcore bands <laughs> like that. Yeah. or like, yeah, I'd have like, um, you know, Zach De La Rocha from uh, rage against machine had that old band inside out. 
don't yeah. know if you've ever heard of them, but they're an old uh, Revelation Records band. So that was like his band, you know, before he got in Rage Against the Machine and got huge or whatever. So I'd have that with Rage Against the Machine or it was just like weird mixtures of stuff. Um, and then I kind of got full into the, the hardcore and punk scene um, and playing so and starting to get into bands. So, yeah, that was kind of the evolution. It's so funny, too, because um, I think I've talked to you about this before, but like I, I was in that new metal stuff, too. And I, I was I was really into punk rock when I was like an early teenager, when I was like 12, 13. I mean, mm. I was always listening to Pennywise, No Effects, yeah, like, nice. all that punkorama stuff. Yeah, like, remember those CDs that you oh, get, yeah, like yeah. you get at Journeys and stuff for free. Yeah, I used to, and Warp Tour and stuff, right? I went to yeah, Warped that Tour. yeah yeah. I yeah. I remember getting the first one I ever got at like Journeys, and nice. uh, and all all those bands I got into. And then um, it's funny, a buddy of mine <clears throat> when I moved to Mississippi, my friend Mick, who ended up uh, he ended up playing drums in a band called Jonesetta that was on Tooth and Nail for a minute. Nice, um, and. Uh, he was really into new metal and started playing me that I started playing him punk. And like, I got into metal and he got into punk rock. Ah, <laughs> so gotcha. we almost swapped. So, yeah. um, so like my introduction was all that new metal stuff. Like I was way into Slipknot and Mudvayne. Yeah. But then I was talking online one day. I was, I had this buddy that I don't even remember how we had met. I think. Um, so in like, in like 1998, I was way into professional wrestling, <laughs> oh, nice. and, which is a whole other story. Of course, yeah. that was a good year to be into it. That was like Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock and all yeah. that. But uh, but anyways, uh, we were talking one day a couple years later because we kept in touch. We were talking on AIM of all places. Yep. And uh, he was like, dude, I just found this band that you have to check out. And uh, it was Kill Switch Engage. Oh, nice! And and he and he shot me. Uh, he sent me a link, or maybe he even sent me an MP3. I don't know of of uh, my last serenade. And yep. um, I was like, dude, this is awesome. And I went out. I immediately went out and bought the CD. And they were kind of my transition into like getting into real like metal at the time. And if, that was like right around the right before the whole um, new wave of American metal where all the bands from your part of the country started getting big, you know, the God yeah, forbid yeah. unearth lamb of God, like all those bands. But I bring all that up because it's just funny that like kill switch engage was my uh, transition. And then you guys and with honor recorded your first record with Adam D yeah, the guitar yeah, yeah. player and founder of kill switch engage. Yeah. It's random. So I was in a couple, a couple of my first bands, um, uh, the first band I was ever in was called Fall Away. Um, and then I was in a band called Crestfallen. Were, were um, they any so, good? Because um, I'm asking because Thorne and I just had a conversation on the train about our first bands. And yeah, I won't even I'll tell you the names off air, but I'm not going to say the names on air. Wow. OK, it's because my bands were terrible. Yeah. I mean, as mo you know, as most first bands are, you know, you're kind of finding your footing, learning your instruments, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I think they're creative. They sound they're pretty cool if I listen back, you know, but. Again, everything's an evolution, right? But I think we played with... Uh, oh, and then I was in a band called Hamardia um, after that, which was more like kind of Swedish metal influenced. Oh, nice. Um, so it was with a couple of guys that went on to go into Bury Your Dead. So <laughs> almost when Hamardia split off, they were... In fact, they were started, They were writing the first Bury Your Dead jams at our practice space. Like me and my brother and the singer, when we went out for like a break or whatever, like we'd hear them in their jamming and they were jamming Bury Your Dead like before it kind of fully formed. Um, cause we were all kind of getting out of the band a little, the Marty band, but we were on good life recordings. Um, and I believe we played some of kills first shows when they were four piece 
So this is uh, Adam D. When Adam actually, played drums. Yeah, he was on yeah. drums. Uh, Joel was on guitar. Uh, it was Jesse was in the band, of course, uh, and then Mike D from Overcast. Um, but we played like some fest with them in New Jersey uh, with Marta, I believe. And then I want to say I either booked them or a buddy booked them at the Hanover House in Connecticut, like one of their first shows. And and uh, you know might have you know, you look back and you're like, oh, did I only pay Kilsos Engage forty bucks that night? <laughs> It was one of those like, oh man, I mean, you know, you're running on like a shoestring budget with these shows anyways, but like, yeah, so uh, yeah, so that was, and then somehow I think we kind of maybe sort of knew him from that or something. And then, yeah, we ended up recording the first With Honor CD at Zing Studios uh, up in Westfield with Adam D. Um, and it was a blast. But one of the crazy things um, about that was, again, we didn't have a lot of money, you know, like, um, I think I was in, was I in college at the time or I just graduated a little while before that? I was, I was the old man of the band. Um, so we went in there and I guess to save money or whatever it was, we, we tracked everything live. So like, <laughs> yeah, it, it, and you don't do that anymore. Like, so no. we had the drums and then we had the amps in like a separate room. So like, yeah, well, of you course. Know, but like, so we were in the room with our drummer and everything was recorded at once. And we did do some punches and stuff afterwards. So the first, you know, to this day, the first was on our self-titled EP you listen to it it was tracked live <laughs> which is really that's bad. crazy man yeah but really as long as you when you do that because i've done that before but like as long as you get the drums like you yeah. can go back and punch stuff but it does yeah. but even still you just it's not the way that recording is done or really should be done but man you get and i mean i know that that ep i mean it's the the uh you get such a raw energy that you don't get by tracking Oh yeah. Yeah, you do. I mean, we're in the room together, looking at each other playing. So there's like, there, there's something to be said, I think for that, you know, for whatever that releases faults are like, it's very energetic and very, um, and I'm forgetting a piece of the story. Hamardi recorded our demo with Adam D too. <laughs> so oh, that's, that's funny. That's how, yeah, again, memory I'm old, but yeah, so we had done that. So we knew him from that. So we, Hamardi recorded a, a, a three song demo at Zing. So we already knew Adam D from that. So we, uh, you know, with honor went right in there too um and i wish we recorded our full length uh for hamartia with adam d with the metal band because i think if we had we might have still been around because we ended up going somewhere uh -huh. and it sounded like garbage and that a lot of times becomes the catalyst for a band to break up right so, <laughs> so yeah and it's, yeah. it's just crazy to look back because he's recorded some a lot of stuff since then too, oh yeah you know? a lot of it in that studio i think so yeah yeah we just but, saw him uh, at furnace fest a couple weeks ago oh was he um, there yeah, he was there uh, and we were backstage or whatever. And um, it's just so weird now with, you know, with the Corona and everything. Um, so like we went to say hi to him afterwards and like they were on a bus and they had a guy there. It's like, you got to back off. You can't go like, so we had to talk from a distance with masks on outside. Cause you know, God forbid one of those guys got sick. They were about, they were on tour with Slipknot, I think. So, <laughs> so if somebody got sick, they'd have to drop off, you know? Yeah. So, but it was cool seeing him very briefly anyway. That's cool. That's that's so funny. When you guys did that, you guys weren't on Victory yet when y'all did that first EP? No, we were just, that was self-funded. Um, oh, wow. At first. Okay. So it was like a demo. And then later on, um, we're from Connecticut, or we all were at the time. I'm still here. But um, we got picked up by uh, Stillborn Records, which is Jamie Hayfrey's oh, label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they released the self-titled, um, you know, as our first whatever, our first EP. So, and then we did a full length on Stillborn. Um, and after that, we ended up on Victory. You, so you guys just did one record with Victory, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's so, <laughs> that's, so what's it? Um, 
so obviously like you <clears throat> I'm, I'm just curious what's it been like get like you guys just played your first show in what eight years yeah and yeah and you've obviously in between the time since you guys broke up have, you know you, you were you were you publishing yet when with honor was still a thing before uh now we were a thing before we so we broke up we kind of first broke up in 2006 oh yeah so that was um, early okay yeah and then we had three reunions so we had one in 2008 one in 2010 and one in 2013 which so, you definitely would have been writing by then i was writing in the 2013 one that was a benefit for uh sandy the sandy hook uh tragedy oh yeah yeah, yeah um so it was you know for a good cause whatever but yeah so that one i was writing and um i believe i was full-time writing at that point i believe oh wow okay yeah, i'm not sure exactly what the date was so i was either full-time writing because that was my first year as a full-time writer it was uh may 1st 2013 okay yeah may day or uh, my writerversary as i call it <laughs> may you're gonna be coming up on 10 years before you know it that's crazy yeah yeah it'll be uh nine next year in fact i think randomly kind of talking about kids or whatever like so my son hasn't really read a lot of my stuff he's kind of read bits and pieces he's not a huge reader he's more into the movie movie stuff yeah. you know um but he started reading my latest alive again he's like oh you know i like this whatever and he, he just asks a lot of questions and you know kids are very you know even with the with the kindles and e-readers like i find that younger kids they like things they can hold in their hands you know what i mean yeah. they like the paperbacks and like that's why i think that stuff is like little slower for kids to adopt the e-readers because they like the physical things they can collect which is so interesting so, it that, is interesting that they that yeah. they wouldn't take to the digital devices <laughs> yeah it is and, and maybe some do but but i you know but he just they like to collect they like the covers you know like to see the covers and hold them and so the fact that i've got a shelf of my books in there just kind of like enthralls him like he'll go in there and he'll just ask questions in the morning sometimes before i drop him off at school and like what, you know, when was this one? When did this one come out? What's your favorite series? What are the, you know, who likes this one? You know, so he asked the other day, when did your first book come out? And I was like, oh, it, I said, holy, holy cow. I said, you know, I think it was right around this time. And so I looked and Contamination One was published on October 22nd, 2012. And that wow. was the day after he asked me and I go, oh, I guess it's tomorrow. <laughs> it's like a, tomorrow will be nine years since I published my first book. Oh, wow. Tomorrow's we record. Uh, wow. So this was, yeah, well, tomorrow would be, this is a week ago or whatever. So yeah. it was October 22nd, yeah. uh, 20, uh, 2012 was when the first book came. I had to look it up, but uh, that's when it came out. So <laughs> that's awesome. we just, just passed nine years. That's my long-winded way of saying I just passed nine years since I that's put awesome, something man. out. That's so yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's insane. Yeah, the time just goes. That's so, so like, what has it been like, um, you know, doing, doing the band thing again. I mean, I, I just saw you guys a few weeks ago, play your first show here in Nashville and you guys hadn't played in, you said eight years, right. It hadn't been yeah. like eight years or something. So like, what's, how's it been, you know, cause you've launched this author career in that time. And so you've still, um, you know, you, you've been pretty fortunate to have, cause I know you told me at one time you did with honor full time for a while. And yeah, then yeah. I'm guessing after that is when you went to your corporate job for, I, a few years at least right yeah i was there for about five a little over five yeah but then yeah. now you've um you're you know almost nine years you've been uh, you've had this other creative career so like what was it i don't know what what because jay and i talked a little bit i feel like i'm spoiling his show he'll show it that. i might have to air that one before well no one, one no one's gonna listen to that show anyway it's yeah, jay thorn true. right so. <laughs> but we we kind of talked a little bit what we miss about being a band and stuff so like what was that what was that like for you coming back into music um, so I guess I never really detached from it because I had, um, another band called Unforgiven 
So through the years, we'd play just like spotty shows, mostly in Connecticut here and there. Um, but even at the point, you know, that we just played this show after eight years for With Honor, I hadn't played an Unforgiven probably in two years, maybe. So it had at least been two years since I'd played a show, um, obviously because of Corona and all that too. So, um, but yeah, as far as coming back, you know, a little more, you know, doing a little more active stuff now, and we're actually going to be making a new record with With Honor. So it's a trip, I guess, is the short answer. I mean, I've got the, I've got the writer thing and then, you know, we're fortunate enough to be able to make another record, which is not something we would have envisioned like a year and a half ago. Like it just yeah. kind of came together and like, and randomly our drummer just kind of put everything together. You know, I think it started off as a conversation of, Hey guys, like our, our oldest stuff isn't even on Spotify. Like it's never even been on there. <laughs> so, because uh, stillborn records is defunct. They haven't been around in a long time. Um, and that's where our older stuff was. Uh, and it was just never up there until a couple of years ago. And then he kind of went on this journey to, he, he got a wild hair to remix and remaster it. So long story short, he's like, yeah, let's remix and remaster this old stuff. And then it kind of spun around to a conversation of why don't we do some new stuff? Um, and then I think Furnace Fest, again, I think pre-corona, right before it, that was announced. So we started you know, yeah. talking to them and we got on that. So things just kind of went from there. Like it was just very random where we went from not doing anything for eight years to, hey, we're going to play some you know shows, this really cool fest, and we're going to write a record. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, I kind of said the other day, um, to my wife and son, you know, I just kind of had this realization. I'm like, you know, the music thing doesn't really, it's not a real great financial thing. <laughs> you know, it's more, you know, once you split things five ways and start going to fest and travel and, you know, it's definitely more passion than, the, than, than a financial thing at this point. But, um, but it is kind of like a job in one sense. I mean, you know, Hey, that's, that's one aspect of it. You know, we still are selling merch and doing all this kind of stuff and we're going to put records. So I basically said, yeah, I wake up in the morning and dad creates things. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Dad do, wakes yeah. up in the morning and he creates things. I either create books or, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to launch. And uh, I just launched a book last week and I've got another one in the hopper that I'm going to launch hopefully in like a month and a half or something or a month. So kind of as I get over the hump of the rough draft of that one, I'm going to dial back and just do like more light editing days. And I'm going to really start focusing on writing the record that we need to write because I haven't been doing too much on that. So yeah. I'm going to have to ramp that up. So again, you know, I wake up and I'm either creating books or creating riffs or music or yeah. so. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, we'll have a, I'll make sure in the show notes, you know, the book you're referencing to just came out was alive again. And then uh, I don't think you've announced the other one yet. So, because this is going to air a little later. So, but I'll, yeah. I'll make sure everything, everything is in there, but um, but yeah, dude, that's, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I, uh, there's definitely th things about being a band I miss. I think for me more than anything, like I definitely miss the performing part of it because yeah, you know, that's like, you, you can't get that with, with writing. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's with some of the events and stuff we do. And if you're speaking, like you are technically performing there, but as far as just writing, I mean, you're not, you're not performing, but for me more than anything, I miss the camaraderie. Like I, I miss yeah. being in a band and creating with my, with my, closest friends and um I, i'm curious like because jay and i have talked about this but i've never talked with you um what similarities or differences do you feel when you know or, or what takeaways did you take from collaborating with the band and ryan with the band and then like 
what did you take over from that when let's say when you worked with Bobby and with Bobby mm. Adair and you guys worked on last survivors together, like, did you feel like there was a lot of correlation you took from your band days to help you get through that? Yeah. I think generally just kind of getting along with people and, and just uh, being willing to bend on certain things, you know, cause everything's always a compromise, right? It's yeah. like, you know um, so I think that kind of fed into it and, and you know, at the 10,000 foot level, just, um, you know, the DIY scene that I was in, the do it yourself, like a lot of that self-starter work ethic just totally correlates to being an indie author. You know, I mean, like that's, I don't know, just doing everything yourself and owning all that, just that indie ethic, just kind of care. Cause you know, I was in, I'm in like a, you know, punk hardcore band. So it is yeah. kind of an underground scene. Um, and that indie movement just kind of mirrors that in a lot of ways. And I think I saw from music too, just kind of like, I don't know, just being responsible for your own destiny as much as possible is cool. Like you can, you know, book, I mean, we booked our first shows. I know back in the day, we'd make phone calls to book shows, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like, I remember calling up, I booked some show one time and calling up a singer in New Jersey and be like, Hey, can you guys play this date? And I'm like, I'm on the phone with the guy, you know, or even like our first tour is like, we didn't really have GPS back then. So we'd like print out all the directions in a binder and we'd be like looking up. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, that's, so what, be... that's what we would do, man. I would go. So like I was the person in my band uh, talking about Kerygma, which is the band I was most active with who yeah. I was like, would book the shows. I yep. was, uh, I would all that stuff. And like, I remember I'd get on MapQuest. Oh yeah. And, MapQuest, and map that's everything, exactly it. print it yeah. and have it in a folder. <laughs> Have oh, a yeah. more itinerary in a folder. That's yeah. exactly it. And, and God forbid you forgot to uh, print off the directions before the tour. You know, we had an atlas, but that was not preferable. <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. But but it's the same. And I was a uh, same thing. I was the guy a little more the business guy back then. So I, I dealt with the labels a little more, um, you know, kind of like we, we flew out to meet Victory Records and stuff. It was me and the bass player, I believe, flew out and had a meeting with, uh, you know, the head guy or whatever and figured some shit out. So um, and then I, I, I would deal with the booking agents and stuff. Yeah. Um, we had an agency out of Boston back then. So I was on the phone with him figuring out tours or whatever. Um, so some, a lot of that carried over too, just doing my own stuff. And, um, but yeah, as far as the collaboration, yeah, I mean, I could see that just, you know, learning to compromise and all that stuff and, and just getting that camaraderie, like you said, that you, you sort of miss, you know, cause you're so siloed as a writer, yeah. like you're just sitting there doing your own thing. And sometimes that's great. And sometimes it's like, man, I just want to, talk to a human being, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't live in my house. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's totally, I mean, I, and, and not me, you know, with me and Thor not writing together as much. I mean, I definitely miss that sometimes where I could like, you know, he was in the same story I was in and I could hit him up for, you know, Hey, I'm kind of stuck here. Or, you know, I, I let's have a conversation, like just a creative conversation about something we're working on, which yeah. was, uh, which I don't think when I was in a band, I appreciated that as much as I do now, because I would, you know, I was a lot younger. I mean, I was, you know, my late teens, early twenties at the time and would, would, would fight more to get my way. And me and our lead singer and lead guitar player, Michael, who wrote most of the songs, like we would bump heads a lot. And, um, you know, I, but I, I wouldn't, I, I would try to get my way more than I would have now, you know? And, and I love too, that you brought up, I feel that, uh, exactly what you said because i was the business person in my band like i mentioned and i feel like that set me up so well for for what i'm doing now and that <clears throat> i learned because i would like i said i would book the shows i was like running our website i was um uh, uh there was even a point where i i put on a festival um i i did the 
the Mississippi Hardcore and Metal Festival oh, wow, <laughs> one time. Nice. Yeah, that's great. And uh, yeah, we had, I'm trying to remember the name. We had the headliners. It was nobody huge, but one of the bands ended up, is, 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 is I think still together today and does pretty well. But the other band, do you remember Mortal Treason? It rings a bell. Yeah, they yeah. it was them, and it was there was another band. Okay. But I, I'll think of the name later and tell you. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I put the, I put that on, and it was like ten bands, and it was a one day thing, and it was I like I remember that day. I just learned so much about running r- running a business, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and having to pay bands and pay people to run the door, and you know, luckily the venue was I got for free, but uh. But yeah, it was. It, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that that time in my life definitely taught me so much that I'm using now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember the same thing. Booking that first tour for With Honor it was like a winter tour. It was like a week, and uh, some crazy things came out of that. You know, because like we just got on whatever we can get on, and I, I think we were lucky enough to book a, a good amount of shows down to Florida and back. Um, but randomly, um, like it's two of the cool things where you kind of see like you know back then you have these demo tapes and whatever, and things get out and. I remember we went down to Daytona Beach, Florida, never been there, of course. And uh, we played this show there, um, you know, by the right by the beach. And uh, all the kids just knew all the words were like, this is insane. Like, you know, all the way down there, you know, because you're a thousand yeah. miles away, whatever. And we had a full room of people just piling on and knowing all the words were like, this is insane. Like, how did everyone like learn the stuff? You know, so that was one thing. And then the other crazy thing that happened out of that first tour Hopefully I'm not taking too much of a detour here, but just real quick. Um, no, dude, it's all good. In, yeah, it's, it's fun to talk about. But in North Carolina, we played a show with uh, Roger Murray and the Disasters. Um, and Roger Murray's from Agnostic Front. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we didn't know him or anything. And, and we played and we're kind of like an old school, energetic, kind of jumping around, whatever type of band. And we went up to Roger after the show and we're like, hey, you know, it's it cool seeing you guys play. Like, you guys are really good. And he goes, yeah, you, you guys are really good, too. You remind me of Youth of Today. And they're like, oh, that's good. It's like an old hardcore band that was like yeah. another one of our heroes. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And then uh, he says, you know, where are you from? We said, Connecticut. And he said, uh, when are you coming home? And we said, Sunday. And he goes, oh, well, Agnostic Front's playing our 25th uh, year anniversary at CBGB's. You guys should come out. And we're like, oh, that's we'll be home. That's really cool. And he goes, you know what? Fuck that. Come out and play it. And he oh. goes, you guys, he goes, you guys are going to come to CBGB's play our 25th anniversary. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, so just a random thing. So he goes, yeah. So on, it was a Sunday, whatever, whatever date it was in December. So he goes, yeah, you guys show up at three o'clock. He goes, don't be early, but don't be late. So I remember like that day we were driving through like the Holland tunnel in New Jersey. And like, we hit all this traffic. We're like, Oh no, we're going to be late. We're not going to be able to play CBGBs. And we're like freaking out. And you know, we got through the traffic. I remember pulling up to park and like a couple guys ran out in there and we get into CBGBs. There's nobody there yet. It was like three o'clock, you know, and uh, we were fine. And we went in and I walked in. He's like, you know, like, Hey, you know, Roger, this, you know, thanks so much. He goes, yeah, you're going to use Vinny Stigma's cab. So I got to use Vinny Stigma uh, from Agnostic Front's cab on at CBGBs. So that was our first tour. Like it was just this random thing that was just amazing. And so we kind of got to know those guys a little and we're able to tour with them later on a couple times and stuff. So dude, that's yeah, awesome. Just, I guess just kind of a cool story of like, you know, again, how you learn things and just weird coincidences that happen that leads you where you're going to go, you know? So I remember too, my band would <clears throat> like, uh, uh, would get like, if we went to a show and, and it was terrible or whatever, I remember I would feel so guilty. And sometimes they'd be like, man, why'd we book that crap? And I'd get really defensive and be like, 
man, you, you do this shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I know. it's hard. It's but hard. then you have moments like that where, um, where you can be like, yeah, but th- this, this made up for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's cool stuff. Like we had, I remember we were, we were doing some dates and we ended up on a show with, uh, with showbread who just played furnace fest. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like right after they'd signed with tooth and nail and, and, uh, and they ended up like, they were like, well, we're just trying to get here. Can we just jump on these dates with you guys that you are doing? And they jumped on like a few of the dates we were doing and we got to, then those dudes are really cool and got to know them and stuff. And it's just, yeah, it's funny. It's cool how that stuff works out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like we, uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to kind of meet all of our hardcore heroes and then end up touring with them eventually was just, was kind of mind blowing because, you know, even, you know, back then again, it was, hand, you know, like we're saying DIY, indie music, yeah. indie books, whatever. It was hand them a demo tape. Like our drummer handed the guys from stretch Armstrong. Um, you know them or not? I don't know if you, yeah, I know who they, um, yeah, yeah, okay. they, they were on, uh, what they were on victory or face down or, uh, I think solid state was it? Or, oh no, they uh, were on, Yeah. That's right. They're on. Solid yeah. 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 State. yeah and then right. they were on yeah, different yeah. labels later, but, I mean, we we love Stretch Armstrong, but our drummer gave them a demo when they came through Connecticut and then they hit us up and they heard it and they said, let's do a three day weekend. So we did a three day weekend with them and Norma Jean, I think, back in oh, nice. 2003. And yeah, it's just, oh, just that would have been a good time to tour Norma Jean. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were amazing. And then I think Comeback Kid was on one of those dates, too, because they were kind of coming up at that time. So it's just this weird, just kind of karmic circle of I don't know if it's karmic, but, you know, just crazy well, stuff that happens, you know. Well, I'm not going to mention their name on here, but then you can have the other thing happen where, where I showed you, we gave a band we loved and played with one of our demo tapes and then they ripped it off on their next album. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Remember I, I played you that? Yeah. 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 I was yeah, like, dude, it is a blatant rip off. Yeah. That <laughs> it happens was fine. Too. I just remember me and Michael walk driving down the street and that album had just came out and we listened to it and we were just like, wait a second <laughs> we were yeah. like record scratch right we were like Dude, we what? gave them a cd right and we were outside and yeah we're like oh fuck yeah <laughs> it I was know. so it was so but and now i look back and i just think it's really funny like, yeah it's know. funny how a lot of things in the past like don't matter as much when you look back like like you're saying even like just stupid arguments of band practice back in the day that probably led to us kind of breaking up back then and then now we're just in such a different place. Kind of going back to your question from a little while ago, you know, what it's like to play music again, just getting in a room together. You appreciate that so much more, dude. you know, and you, and you, and you learn so much of like, wow, we were just so young and naive back then. Like we didn't appreciate just being able to get together and make music, you know, exact, this, exactly. Yeah. And, and some of that was, yeah. And some of that was a symptom of back then it was more of like, that was our lives. Like we were full time for three, four years so like every time we got stiffed for a guarantee or or showed up and played a show like that, that was kind of hard, like not many people, then it directly impacted like, you know, our, our Taco Bell money or, you know, <laughs> where we're going to yeah. sleep that night. And there was, you know, there was so much more roped into that, whereas now it's more of just kind of a side gig and we all have our lives and our kids and wives, whatever. So it's we can enjoy it more, I think. Exactly. You know? and, and it's, you know, you you learn so much, you know, like I said, getting, getting caught up in, in those little, like you said, those little arguments and stuff and it helped. And, you know, uh, for, for me, it's crazy. Like thinking back to my band days. I mean, I, I think I even texted you, but like a week or two ago was Michael's 15th anniversary since he died, who was the singer yeah, in Kerygma yeah. and stuff. And I think back, man, me and him had had um, a pretty nasty argument at one point. And like, you know, 
it, it had kind of a lot of rumors had spread from that around the music scene where we were at. And I remember us just thinking like, I can't believe that dude saying this stuff about me and all this crap. And then I had happened to be out by his house one day and I was like, man, I'm going to go hit him up and, and see what's up. Like, and, and we, we, you know, got together, we hugged, we went out in the car and, and listened to some music and stuff. And I was just like, dude, do you really like, we, we just cleared the air and we realized that yeah, all these people good. were spreading shit about a lot, but like a week later he died. Wow. And, and I just think to myself, man, like life is too short. And, yeah, yeah. and if I hadn't have gone out there that day and seen him and I almost didn't, I almost didn't call him, but if I hadn't have gone and seen him that day and then he died the next week, I, I don't like to, to this day, I would have so much guilt and, yeah. and it just really taught me don't like, don't sweat the small shit. You yeah. Know? It's, yeah. It's, it's totally true. It. Yeah. It's totally yeah. true. Yeah. So I guess perspective, you know, we're older, uh, old men. Yeah, now. absolutely. Well, I'm speaking more for myself than you, but <laughs> you're not that much older than me. So a little bit, a couple a of years. Bit. And, and we were in that, you know, I, I still, hey, look, look, neither of us is old as Thorne. All right. We're neither of us. Are old as Thorn, <laughs> so, And I still, I, at some point I'm going to try to figure out if we ever played together. Cause yeah. I mean, we played the muse in Nashville a couple times at least. Um, yeah. So I don't know. At some point I'm going to figure that out. We played Memphis once too, actually. I think. Okay. Yeah. Do you, do you guys ever play Louisiana or Mississippi? Uh, not as much. Um, yeah, not as much. I don't think, but All right, we'll figure it out. Because yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure at some point I at least saw you guys. I bet. If, if yeah. not, if not, open for y'all at some point. But yeah, you know, that'd be cool to figure out at some point if we could drill down that date. <laughs> yeah, because we were doing stuff around the same time. Yeah. So, that's just such know. a coincidence. Yeah, it's 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 funny, man. So, but uh, well, cool, man. Well, this seems kind of like a good place to end our conversation. So, is there anything you want to promote or anything? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess you know, if we're talking different different forms of uh, creative stuff, whatever uh, you want to do. Yeah. yeah, from a book uh, standpoint, I just released a live again um, last week as we record this. Um, so it's like a zombie story with a twist, um, and. Yeah, that's my latest. I've got something else coming up um, from a music perspective. Uh, the band I'm in with Honor, um, we just released a remastered version of our 2004 album Heart Means Everything, uh, which was on Stillborn Records back then and was remastered for Pure Noise Records. So they just released that in September. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be working on a new album coming up that hopefully will come out next year at some point. Um, nice. So, yeah, those are the two creative endeavors at the, at the moment. Oh, uh, And then um, I think I'd mentioned to you... Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying my hand at some comic book writing coming up. Uh, so I'm trying to adapt one of my stories uh, outage into a comic adaptation. Um, so I have to have you on. I, I know we kind of mentioned bringing that up. I think that could be like a whole episode. We could talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Point. I won't get into that, but you know, I guess that's another thing that to look out for if you're interested. So yeah. Yeah. That's I'm definitely, I'll have you on again to talk about that because I, I want to, um, I don't comic book writer is someone that I wanted to have on. And I didn't honestly, up until we talked before, I didn't know you were doing that. So we'll have you come back on when you're a little bit more into that project and we'll talk about that. Yeah. Sounds great. Awesome. Well, thanks dude for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the creator dad podcast. I'd like to invite you to join the official creator dad discord community where fellow creator dads like you and me connect to discuss our creative endeavors, parenting, relationships, music, movies, and TV, sports, money, 
all the things that dudes love to talk about. Get all the details at patreon.com slash creator dad.